I'm Todd Starnes, and I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. This message is part of a series called Unwavering Faith. We'll be looking at the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. I believe that miracles are still for today, and God will do it for you. The struggle we have is when we focus more on the circumstance than what God can do in the circumstance. I pray that today you'll be encouraged. Stay tuned for a brief message at the close of the podcast, but let's jump right in to this week's message. It's just really talking about miracles, and I'm hoping today will build your faith a little bit. We are still a movement. We are a, a local church, but we, the Sims of God, are still a movement that believes in the healing power of Jesus Christ. We believe in a miracle-working God. We believe in a God that hears us. And I just want you to know that this morning, that whatever it is, we, I believe that in modern times today that God can still raise the dead. He can still open blind eyes. He can still open deaf ears. He can still cause the lame to walk. He is still doing that. And there may be a reason why that we're not seeing it maybe just in our circles. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm telling you that God is at work today. He's at work today. And so let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for this morning, your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. I pray that our hearts would be good soil, Lord, just ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Just a few things that kind of get us, get us in takeoff mode, our pre-flight. It's just a few things, and one I want to tell you this morning is that miracles are for today. That's what I've already been talking about. That If you have your notes and you'll follow along, there's a lot of blanks. Hopefully I'll get to them all. But miracles are for today. It's just not something that happened in the Old Testament. It's just not something that happened in the book of Acts. Miracles are for today, right now, here even in this church, in our fellowship, in our local set of believers. Miracles, something else they do is that they produce faith. Whenever miracles start happening, they really multiply very quickly. Because miracles, I believe, happen, it's kind of like wildfire. And I mean like a good wildfire, not like wildfire, like weird wildfire, but a good wildfire that takes out, all it needs is just a spark and a little bit of wind, and what you see happen so many times is just a, a snowball effect of miracles taking place. Miracles are for today, miracles produce faith, miracles promote his plan, miracles are God's will. There is nothing that I read in scripture that tells me different. It is God's will to bring a miracle into your life, to bring healing into your life. And, and of course, the $60,000 question is, right? Anybody remember the, that pyramid? That's where that comes from if you didn't know. That pyramid game show, whatever that was. Remember? Anyway, okay. Some of you, I just lost some of you. Okay. So, but the big question is why doesn't, and there's all kinds of reasons why it may not happen but something you're going to hear me say several times, I've said it many times before now, you're going to hear it a couple of times this morning, is that I don't base my theology on what I don't see happen. I base my theology on what God's Word says. And God's Word says that you can have healing today. So it promotes His plan. It builds His kingdom. And miracles, you know what I think? Miracles proves that God is in control. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of 
little spirits. There's a lot of antichrist. There's a, there's a lot of stuff happening that's trying to gain a foothold and control. But I'm going to tell you, the one that is omnipotent, the one that is omnipresent, promised that he still heals, saves, and delivers. So listen to me. Don't let skepticism or disappointment keep you from your miracle. And that's really my theme this morning. Don't let skepticism or disappointment keep you from your miracle. Because I know some, I mean, sometimes we see God just do it, and it just happens in a moment, in an instant. There's other scenarios where I see people, Terry, wait, believe for decades before that miracle comes to pass. I'll never forget um, I know I've shared this before, but before pastoring here, we were missionaries in our junior highs and high schools, and we would do school assemblies and outreaches, things like that, and we just saw great things happen. God just do really great things. But so uh, uh, years ago, years ago, I mean, I'm, we're talking close to, um, man, 15, 18 years, something like that, years ago, um, tragedy hit the little town of Paducah here. They may know where Paducah is in Texas. Did you know we had a Paducah? So it's a little bitty town, but tragedy struck. They had several deaths and suicides. And I mean, we're talking like a six man school, very small, and it's tragedy. And so the principal, the superintendent called me, asked us to come in. And so we went into school assemblies in a, in a rally. Um, I mean, the school was so big from freshmen to seniors. And in the high school, there was about 125 students. I mean, that's, we're talking the metropolis, you know. And. Um, but that night, man, the town showed up to the outreach. But that night, we saw over 100 students accept Christ for the first time. For the first time. It was powerful. And I'll never forget, one of the ladies that brought us in and helped us put it on, after everything was over, we're loading up, and she was sitting in the gymnasium. And she was literally, she looked like, I, I thought I was about to have to call 911. I mean, she looked like she was in shock. I mean, she was, why does it go? The blood had drained from her face. She was sitting there. And I mean, you know, we kind of caught her attention and ran over. I was like, are you okay? What's the matter? You know, do we need to get help? And it took her a minute, but she looked up at me and she said, I was just praying for one to get saved. But God went above and beyond. Sometimes we believe too small of what God wants to do. Don't base your theology on what doesn't happen, but base what God promises in a word. Yes, our experience of what God does, it matters in our life. But I'm going to tell you, God's word trumps our experience. And I say that as one that I believe that having encounters and experiences with God is theological, is biblical. God wants to encounter you today. He wants you to know his presence today. He wants to surround you with his spirit today. He wants to put his spirit inside of you today. That's his desire, his heart. But listen, we've got to believe what God's word says. Every experience that we have must line up with God's word and for it to be a valid encounter. But if we have not experienced something and it is clearly lined out in God's word, believe. Are you with me this morning? Believe. Believe. I love this verse in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It says, I understand that God shows no 
partiality. What was happening in that moment was at Cornelius' house, and I'm not going to get all into it, deep into it this morning, but Acts 10 is where we see Gentile believers get saved, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I mean, have an encounter with God, and the response of Peter is that God shows no partiality. Listen to me. What God has done for one, he will do for another, and God will bring about what he's promised. Even though the breakthrough may not have happened with us yet, it might have with someone. And when we hear those testimonies, what God is doing, it builds our faith. It it makes us ripe and and hungry for God to do something significant. But I want to get into our text just very quickly. I'm going to read the first eight verses. And so I'm going to try to condense this the best I can this morning. But John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, after this, there was a feast of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, in Aramaic, called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. This is so important to understand. So around this pool, there lay multitudes of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Verse 5, one man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred and while I am going Another steps down before me, and Jesus said to him, Take up your mat, take up your bed, and walk. And verse 9 does say, And at once the man was healed. I mean, I, maybe you've read this before, or hopefully you've seen this, and I just want to draw out some things. The first thing is this in verse 2. In John chapter 5, in verse 2, Bethesda has a very specific meaning, and it means house of mercy. House of mercy. Bethesda means house of mercy. And there's so many things that kind of just leapt out in my heart about that. And one is what God always responds to. You see, here's Jesus, and he steps in on the scene. Remember, it's surrounded by all these people in physical need that are waiting for the waters to be troubled, to be stirred. But listen, I believe there's things that God always responds to, where God always shows up the scene, and that is one of those is hunger. If we will hunger, I believe God answers and shows up. If we will truly hunger, the Bible says in, in Luke in, uh, 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. We read in the Psalms about my, my, uh, my heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. The Bible says that those that hunger they shall, and thirst, they shall be what? They shall be filled. If we would stir a spiritual hunger in us, God responds to that, because when we have that hunger, that's our faith being stirred, saying, God, I need you. God, I need more of you. God, I I want you. And and God will always respond to that hunger. Another thing that God responds to is faith. He responds to hunger, and he responds to faith. We see a couple of counts in the New Testament, one in Mark chapter 5 and verse 34. 
and where Jesus speaks to a, a, a lady and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. If I remember right, this is the lady that was, had the issue of blood for 12 years and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. But God, Jesus responded to her and he said, It is your faith that has made you whole. We see another account in, in Matthew chapter 8. It's with the centurion, and, and uh, he told Jesus, he said, if you just speak the word, you know, I, I know what it is when someone's in command. If you'll just say the word, I know that'll be done. And Jesus responded this way in verse 10. When he heard this, he marveled and said, those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And that centurion went home and found the healing, the restoration took place. Listen to me, sometimes it's you... It's used as a, listen to me very carefully, sometimes it's used as a crutch when something doesn't happen to blame someone's lack of faith. I'm going to say that again. Man, I just said that a little too fast. Sometimes when it doesn't happen, it's easier, especially for the, from the men behind the pulpit or on the stage, when things don't happen like they want it, they say, oh, you just have a lack of faith. But I, something I'm going to show you this morning, it takes a whole lot more than my faith. It takes our faith. It takes our faith. But I, even, I have even found when my faith is small that God still shows up. Aren't you thankful? As anybody, I mean, just when I think God wouldn't do it, not couldn't, but wasn't going to do it, he did it. He did it. God responds to hunger. God responds to faith. And God also responds to obedience. Sometimes we see a lack of miracles, a lack of healing happened. Well, the, the principle is this. We can't grow beyond our last disobedience. Y'all got really quiet. Nobody said amen on that one. We can't grow beyond our last disobedience. Why? Because obedience is crucial in our walk with Christ. The Bible says in John 14, 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. But listen to this next, this next sentence. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Do you want God to manifest to you? We have to walk in a place of obedience. But Jesus steps in this area, this place of Bethesda with the colonnades and the pools. And in verse 3, we see that there's all these people there in need, these paralyzed and lame and, and all these different people. And the house of mercy was right here. Listen to me. The house of mercy was right there in the middle of that need. But it wasn't meeting the need. Did you, did you catch that? that? I just had an image of a church at 1101. Are we the house of mercy that is doing something about the need around us? Where are you positioned? Where are you positioned? I believe, and Angela even talked about, about that divine appointment. God, whether you realize it or not, God has placed you in the middle of the need. 
He has placed you in the middle of people who need to hear about the love of Jesus, about forgiveness of sin, that God is still alive today and still hears our prayers and still answer prayers and still performs miracle. He needs houses of mercy, a people that streams of water flow out of them to touch the need around them. I love Isaiah. I love in Isaiah 58, it's a chapter that's about fasting and we pick up in verse 58, 11, but I love the promise. I love the description of what's laid out by the prophet Isaiah here in verse 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. We, there is a reason why we identify ourselves. If you didn't know this, part of our mission, part of our purpose of who we are is we have seen ourselves a church as an oasis. Listen, I, pastoring and having a church in the Permian Basin sometimes is like pastoring a parade. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? People move in and people move out. Sometimes we only have them for a court, a short couple, three years. But I'm going to tell you, forever long that someone is planted in our church, we're going to make sure that we refresh and we equip, that we're going to be that oasis in the middle of a scorched place that is meeting people's needs. Be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I love this verse. But when you read the verse right above it, in verse 10, if you pour yourself out. If you pull, how is, how is it going to happen? You don't wait for somebody else to do it. You don't wait for a program to do it. You don't wait for your pastor to do it. You don't wait for your connect group leader to do it. You don't, come on somebody. I came to preach and y'all just staring me at a cafe new gate. We got to pour ourselves out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 7 out of our inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. My second question is this is what, is, what circumstance is framing up, framing up your miracle? What circumstance is framing up your miracle? You see, we are limited more by the way we see our circumstance than by the actual circumstance. The way we see something is so powerful. Come on, are you following me? Listen, when something happens and you find yourself in the middle of great need, either you think the circumstance is too big or you think God is big enough. Amen. You came to preach this morning, Pastor. Yes, I did. We are more limited by the way we see our circumstance than the actual circumstance. Listen, this guy, verse 5, we, see, we read that this guy, was, we don't know his age. We don't know, but what we do know is that he was an invalid <coughs> Excuse me, for 38 years. Let me bring this into perspective in case you didn't know what it was like in the first century. In the first century, the um, life expectancy, it, let, let me say it this way. So, if you made it out of infancy, 
life expectancy was 28 years old. If you made, yeah, there are people, no doubt. I mean, John the Revelator is one of them. There were people that lived in their 70s, 80s, and 90s in the first century. No doubt, no question. If you made it past 28, life expectancy increased to 40. So if you made it out of infancy, if you, if you grew up as a child, it was likely that you would not make it to 28 years old. If you made it to 28, it was likely that you would not make it to 40. If you made it to 40, yes, then some lived to be 70, 80, 90. Does that make sense? Are you following me? So here's this man that's invalid for 38 years, and here he, it didn't exactly tell us um, how long he'd been by the pool. We don't know how long he was there, but we know that he was in the middle of all of this need. For, and he, he had this need whatever it was that caused him to be an invalid for 38 years. Listen to me, church. You got up this morning. <laughs> you got up this morning. You're, everybody, or, or, let's, let's just do this. Are you ready? This is not, we're not doing some weird thing. I'm going to prove a point. Everybody take a big breath with me. Now breathe out. Guess what? You're breathing. You're, you're not six feet under. You're at, here at church. You may have got a fight with your spouse in the parking lot, but you made it inside the building anyway. You, 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 maybe you've, you've been going to a connect group. You, listen, sometimes we are so hard on ourselves. I, I think you read your Bible more than you think you read your Bible. I think you pray more than you realize you pray. I think the fight is not over. God is still in the rescuing business. He is still in the delivering business. And if you're here, you got a shot. <laughs> if you're here, the odds are in your favor. God will rescue again and again. This man suffered for 38 years. Listen to me. He had been by this pool. They've been waiting for these waters to stir. So, and the scripture lines out that you know, the first one in would get healed. I mean, think about this. The lingering disappointment of every time seeing those waters stir and he couldn't get to the waters. I mean, think about the relenting disappointment. He suffered for 38 years. I mean, looking, for, having some expectation to finally make it to those waters, but being overlooked, he was alone. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. While you may not understand why relief or a miracle has not come yet, never lose hope. Never lose faith. In God's time, he'll work the miracle that you need. Don't lose hope. I, I love this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. The Lord is the great promoter of divine possibility, pressing you into the attitude of daring to believe all the word says. We are to be living words, epistles of Christ, known and read of all men. But we get to verse 6, and so Jesus, when he saw him laying there, and he knew that he had already been there a long time, he asked him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? 
Jesus was you know, good at asking these questions, I think. I, you know, I was reminded of blind Bartimaeus, you know, when he met blind Bartimaeus. You know, here's blind, I mean, his identity is blind Bartimaeus. And he's calling out, and he gets Jesus' attention, and Jesus turns to him. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? We see so many examples of this in Scripture. I, you know, I was thinking, you know, kind of when I, what left out at me is, have your kids ever come to you to ask for something, but yet they expected the answer to be no, and so they developed this big old long story to get to the question. Anybody ever experienced that? And so, I mean, I mean they got it all planned out, worked out, and, and, and they're going to ask you this question. They're, I mean, then you're just like, just get to the point. I think sometimes... When we have our moment, we never get to the question. We never get to the ask. You see, the Bible says in James 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? It goes on to say in verse 2, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you obtain. I mean, really what it's saying is you, you're going about to get what you need all in the wrong way, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your own passions. And so I'm going to give you a quick list. Number one is this. Check your faith. Whenever you come to the Lord in prayer, check your faith. And I mean, we talked about this in a moment. God responds to faith. It is okay to say, just we read the story, the, the parable, the, the encounter in the Bible where the man says, I have belief, but help my unbelief. It's okay to tell, the, the Lord knows it anyway. But the scripture does tell us that without faith in Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please God. And so we do, we need to ask God, strengthen my faith. We can't, simply cannot receive anything from God without faith. We've got to have a faith, even if it's a measure, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. But we also must check our ask. Check our ask, A-S-K. Make sure that you're asking in line with God's will. Make sure you're asking in lines with God's will. But I'm going to tell you something I found in my life. Maybe I'm the only one this has ever happened to, but I have found sometimes where I was kind of a little tone deaf to the Lord. And I was asking for something and asking for something, and he had answered me a long time before, no. And he keep asking, and he keep asking. And what I have found sometimes, God relent and say, okay, you want it? You got it, buddy. And then I think, why in the world did God answer that prayer? <laughs> Anybody ever been? I, I've been there. But we got to check our ask. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will. Everybody say will. Who wants their prayers answered? Do we, I'm going to give you one surefire way how to do that. Ask according to his will. If we ask according to that, it says anything according to his will, he hears us, verse 15, and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. The third thing is check your why. 
Why do you want God to do this? Why do you want God to answer this? I mean, we see this in this, this small, this short verse, our motives matter. We have to check the why. Uh, we talk about it all the time, but in Psalms 139, specifically in verses 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. You know my thoughts. And if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, search, show me what's in my heart. And so listen, I don't necessarily think there is a formula for God to answer your prayer. I really don't. But if you've got to have one, I've got a list for you. And we're going to go through it really fast. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Buckle your seatbelt because we're going to do it really quick. And we'll have it on the screen as long as we can. That'll kind of help you get in the blanks to follow along. Seek God's presence over formulas. That's where we start. Seek God's presence over formulas. Listen, I know there, we do these steps, and we have the six phases of faith and three ways to ask God. And, and those things are important because it helps us. It, it helps us keep it in line in our head and, and understand God's word. But listen to me. Just seek God. Seek him. Number two, miracles are expressions of God's love. Listen, God loves you. If nobody's told you recently, listen to my voice. God loves you. He loves his children. He wants to answer your prayer. You know, when my children come up to me, I know sometimes they ex expect to hear no. But I'm going to tell you, if they only realized how much I want to say yes. Tell God when you're struggling in your faith. He knows it anyway. It is good for us and our spirit and our heart to say, God, I'm struggling with this. I, I have questions about this. I don't know why this is happening. Tell God you're struggling with your faith. And if there is something hopefully you picked up on in our last series, No Offense But, if you want your prayers answered then forgive. 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 If you're unwilling to forgive someone who has hurt or offended you, that refusal to forgive will hinder your prayers. So seek God. Know that he loves you. Tell him when you're struggling. Forgive and fight the right fight. Fight the, what do I mean by that? Listen. The Bible says that our battle, our war, is not with flesh and blood. But principal, sometimes we like to blame other people while we don't got what we want to get. That was pretty tweetable, I think. Huh? Sometimes we blame God for what we don't get when somebody else has got it. Fight the right fight. Listen, sometimes you've got to engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. I'll never forget, um, again, when we were traveling in Youth Alive, we were in this little church in Plainview, and God just did a miraculous thing. He, there, there was a lot of healings that took place, but there was one lady there that God completely healed of lupus. It was amazing to see and to watch, and also to keep tabs with her afterwards. And, uh, but God healed, I mean, was all the pain, that, everything, everything from lupus, God healed her. I was, went back years later, that church kind of struggled and shut down, and 
we were back in Plainview years later at another church, and she was there, and, and she responded to the altar call, and I, I recognized her. I was like, how are you doing? How's, how's the lupus? She said, oh, God's completely healed me. This was several years later, but she told me something. I never forgot it. She said, you know, sometimes I'll wake up, and I'll have a little tinge or a little something that reminds me of lupus, and I just remind the enemy that's a battle he's lost. That is faith. That is powerful. Sometimes you've got to remind the devil that he's lost. That by his stripes you are healed. That but through the power of God you've been made whole and redeemed and restored. Fight the right fight. Another thing you can do is worship. You can experience more miracles when you spend more time worshiping God. I kid you not. Listen, I believe in the spontaneous moves and works of the Holy Spirit and just moments of worship where there's not like a prayer line or anointing line. I believe in all of those things, but I'm going to tell you, there is something special when God just does it. Right? Open your heart and worship. And of course, obedience. We've talked about that. You can't go beyond your last obedience. And don't give up. Don't give up. Remember years ago, I heard of a, a testimony. I heard this, uh, uh, this lady giving her testimony. She had come to faith in a powerful way. I mean, they you know, had a, a, just a, a terrible lifestyle away from the Lord, and she got saved and was believing for a husband. And, and um, she really believed that uh, God was going to save her husband. She had gotten words of knowledge and words of wisdom, all these, these words spoken that her husband was going to be saved, but it didn't seem like her husband got worse. They end up getting divorced. But it's something she held on to. And I understand this may be a unique situation, but she held on. She believed that God was going to save he even though he she never did, but she he got remarried and looked like going on with life, but she kept believing first for his salvation. That he would come to the Lord. It, and it got to a point, it wasn't so much about their marriage being reconciled, but him getting saved. 19 years, she believed for his salvation. His second wife ended up leaving him, and, and he had hit rock bottom. And so he called her, and he said, what do I do? She said, you got to give your life for the Lord. He ended up coming to the Lord, confessing the Lord as his Savior, started coming to church. Anyway, long story short, God completely restored their marriage. They got remarried after 19 years. Listen to me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't go back. Listen, I, if there's something I see happen so many times is, God, if you'll only do this, I will fill in the blank. You never prayed a prayer like that? I'm, so just so you know, that's not real theological, biblical, hermeneutics, exegesis. I remember one time I was asking, I was looking for direction in my life, and I was in a deer stand. And I said, God, if you want me to do this, then you're, a big old buck's going to walk out. He did, <laughs> and I missed. We get to verse 7. I'll tell you another time. I, I shared this years ago, but we were making a transition, and I was doubting that transition. We were moving ministry positions, and, and, and you know, we love games, and, and, and I, we had a deck of cards out on our, 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 our uh, uh, a table thing, whatever it's called there in your living room. And um, I said, okay, if I turn over 
you know, whatever, I don't remember, the two of spades, and I know that we're supposed to go, and I turn it over, and it was the two of spades. It's like, okay, all right, if we're supposed to go, because I thought, you know, this whole um, uh, uh, Gideon thing, you know, right? And so I was like, all right, if it's the ten of clubs, and it was the ten of clubs, I was like, okay. I was like, you know, and that, it, that happened three times, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I should have went to Vegas. <laughs> and then I get to the last one. I was like, okay, if I'm supposed to stay, then it's, you know, the ace of diamonds. And I flip it over, and it was the ace of diamonds. And I tell you what, the Holy Spirit, I felt him speak so quick to my heart. He said, if you would just depend and listen to me, I've got you. Some of us are praying for that laying our fleece before the Lord when the Holy Spirit's trying to draw you near to him. That was for free. I don't know where that came from, so there you go. We get to verse 7, and he says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. And it's stirred. Everyone gets there before me. Just really quick, i gotta, I got to start wrapping this up. Is it is so important to realize why that we don't do life alone. That has really become a theme. It's a value we started years ago, and, and it really everything with the last two years of COVID worked against that value. But listen, we live life together in this church. We don't do life alone. If there's one thing the enemy wants to, to do is to get you by yourself, to get you, and he'll use offense, he'll use the way you see yourself, the way that you see others, the, he'll use the way you think others see you. Listen, don't be the man that was there for 38 years waiting for somebody to help him. You've got 200 people in this church that's willing to help you. To get you to the healing waters, to stand with you, to carry you, to believe with you. Are you following me this morning? Don't do life alone. I think more than ever, and I think we're seeing it come to life, that we do live life together and we have so many opportunities and yeah they're 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 ministry minded of connect groups and living free groups and 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 we got easter the park coming up and easter itself coming and all international connect but listen all that's to cultivate an atmosphere to get us beyond our comfort zone to see who's in need around us because remember it is you that is the house of mercy that's surrounded by need and so we get to the very last thing. Man, I'm skipping so much. But listen, the very last thing, Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. I, I love this moment. I, I just really do. You know, I mean, Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And he doesn't do it like blind Bartimaeus did. You know, when Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Blind Bartimaeus is like, I want my sight. And so Jesus heals him, and, and Bartimaeus is healed. But he asked him, what do you, what do you want? And what do you need? And, and he responds, oh, you know, just like we do sometimes when we have that lack of faith, that discouragement, that disbelief. Oh, I, I could get healed if somebody just helped me and, and get me to that waters. But Jesus gives him the command. Get up, take your bed, and walk. Get up, take your bed, and walk. Listen, I'm going to tell you what I've seen happen over and over and over and over again, is yes, it takes me needing faith, it takes others' faith, but when, you know, when it's all said and done, all we need is Jesus to step in and speak it. 
All we need is Jesus to step in and say it. You're healed. And yes, there are people, you read in 1 Corinthians, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and those that perform miraculous miracles and, and all of those things. But listen, what Jesus did sometimes for you to get your breakthrough is Jesus is going to ask you to do the impossible. He's going to ask you to do what you think that you couldn't do. Listen. He's going to ask you to do what you think that you couldn't do. Stay in that marriage just a little bit longer. Forgive so-and-so that hurt you. He might just, because you know what, what, what's one of the keys we talked about is obedience. And Jesus just might ask something of you that seems, I mean the man's, he couldn't even get to the waters. And then Jesus makes the command, hey buddy, get your sleeping bag and go. And he does it. He, he obeys and he does it. Jesus asks him to do the impossible. He stands to his feet, he picks up that bedroll, and he goes on his way and he encounters a, the power of Jesus in such a special way. I want to ask you to stand this morning. Once again, I'd like to thank you for joining us for our podcast. I hope that it blessed you. Remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirst.com. You can give online. You can watch our services online. Also, you can find us on any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We also broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday. If you're ever in the Permian Basin, we would love to for you to be our special guest. God bless you.